turn to God's holy word, we turn to the book of Psalms, or the book of praises, as it is in the Hebrew, Psalm 33. All scripture is given by inspiration of Almighty God. This is the word of the Lord. Come, let us hear God's holy word. The Lord help us and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive his word. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. That all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help. And our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord has spoken. May the Lord bless his gracious word to our needful hearts here this afternoon. Let us pray. Dear friends, I invite you now to please turn your prayerful attention to that Psalm 33 that I read to you in your hearing. Psalm 33. And the Lord enabling me this afternoon to bring a word in season, I trust to you. I take from my text the verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him upon them that hope in his mercy. 
Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him and upon them that hope in his mercy. This afternoon, as we come to this text, I want us to just say a few things by way of introduction. When we read here that the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him and upon them that hope in his mercy, we must never think that somehow that God does not see everything. In fact, we are told in the psalm, or rather in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 15 verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. We mustn't think that somehow God does not see everything. God is omniscient. He knows everything. All things are known by him. God sees everything. And God sees evil and good. But here, in a positive sense, the Lord, the eye of the Lord is upon them, upon his people for good that fear him, and upon them that hope in his mercy. Now, as we come to our text, it'll no doubt be upon our minds. We have passed through a difficult week. The sovereign of our nation, Her Majesty the Queen, has passed from this life to another life. We have much to reflect upon in our hearts, in our minds, upon eternity. What after this life? My dear friends, the events of this past week, whether it's been the appointment of a new Prime Minister or the death of our Sovereign and the appointment now of another Sovereign, His Majesty King Charles III, all of these things are ordained of God. And there is much for us to reflect upon in our hearts and minds who are favored by the Lord. Where we read here, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. We absolutely are thankful for the relative freedoms that we have in our land. We are thankful that we do not live in a land where there is great war and turmoil. There are plenty of problems. No doubt we live in a sinful land. And we are indeed called to pray for our leaders, for our government, for our officials, for kings, for magistrates, and those in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. And it is right, only right and proper, to give reverence to authority, that is appointed over us. For we know from Scripture, from Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You think about it, you could live in a far worse country in the world than England or the United Kingdom. And we are commanded in Scripture to give honor where honor is due. The Scriptures say, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers concerning those authorities over us continually upon this very thing. And then we read, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, owe no man anything but to love one another 
For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Love is a duty, and we are to love fellow men. And we are especially to love the household of God. We are especially to love God's people. And one way we can love men in this world, even those who treat us unkindly, is to pray for them, to witness, and to thank God if we are saved especially. Thank God for those who are saved and who are a blessing to our lives. But again, let me say, we are reminded afresh this week that both kings and rulers come and go. Life is short, isn't it? You know, we often will read about somebody dying or hear of a relative, but death is seems somehow more sober to us when a great monarch passes through this world and how much more in our case time is short it's fleeting this is why David in Psalm 39 says Lord make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is that I may know how frail I am behold thou hast made my days as an handbreadth and mine age as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Now as we consider our monarch and others that have gone before us, we're thankful for, as I've said, the way in which many of these people have conducted their lives. They're certainly not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination. But we are thankful for them. But we must ask, and one of the great dangers of such a time is, do we hope in those people? And what was their hope? Was their hope a so-called good life? And do we look to them, for example, for eternal life and for hope of eternal life? Do we look to fellow men? And of course the answer is no, because the Bible says all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Solomon reminds us in Ecclesiastes 7 and the verse 20, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And this week again is a reminder that the wages of sin is death. Not only just come upon monarchs and rulers and prime ministers, but to all, all will die. It's appointed unto man, as Paul says in Hebrews 9, 27, once to die, and after that the judgment. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I hope we understand that. When we consider the loss, we must consider sin. We must consider the, the cost of sin and what sin its wages give a man at the end of his life. The wages of sin is death. That's the pay packet, as it were, to every man. What sin requites you? Death. The wages of sin is death. But I want you to notice here in verse 18, what is the hope of the Christian? Do we look to others? Did the Lord Jesus Christ simply come 
to give us a good example to live by. No. Is a hope of eternal life based on somehow living a good life? Of course, the answer is no. Emphatically, no. Verse 18, Behold, the eyes of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. There's only hope in the mercy of God. The only hope for the sinner in this life is God's mercy. Because all have sinned. In fact, Psalm 147, you may wish to turn there, verse 11 says this, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. One of the great tendencies in such a time as this is to place our hope in leaders, in men, in people, but not look to God's mercy. And that is that mercy spoken of in the Lord Jesus Christ many, many, many times. The mercy of God is spoken about in the Old Testament. For instance, we read of the mercy seat. That place where God said he would meet with sinners. There upon the Ark of the Covenant. As you know, the Ark of the Covenant represented God's holy, glorious, majestic presence. And the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. And there were no windows in that holy of holies. And there was no natural light in there. No windows at all, no light. Why? Because it is a picture of heaven. Christ, the Lord Jesus, we're told in the book of the Revelation, will be the light of glory, the light of heaven. Christ is uncreated light. When God said, let there be light, there was light, natural light. Before that, there was no sun, no moon, nothing. But God, in all of his radiance and glory, was the light of whatever there was. But friends, when man sinned, he was, as it were, shut out of God's presence. And this is what sin has done. This is why when you, you consider the, the tabernacle, there was a tent in which the tabernacle was placed and into the most central part of that tent, the tabernacle, was that holy of holies and a curtain in front of it that no man could pass through except the high priest once a year. And he would sprinkle seven times the blood of the Lamb upon that mercy seat. And that is where God said he would meet sinners upon a mercy seat. And throughout the Old Testament, all of those sacrifices were pointing to God's mercy that would be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, the only hope for sinners to be reconciled to God would be through the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself now sits upon the very throne of God, sat at the right hand of the majesty of God. We are told in the epistle to the Hebrews that he presented himself as the high priest, having laid down his life as the lamb, the lamb of God, 
on behalf of his people, now ever lives to intercede for them. And they hope in the mercy that is in Jesus Christ. And friends, this is the only hope for a sinner. As we think upon our leaders, and we are truly thankful for them, and maybe you may aspire to be like them in terms of their virtues and good things that they did, and we must acknowledge those and be thankful for them. What is the only hope for the sinner? Well, the Word of God says it here. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, that respect him, and upon them that hope in his mercy. Because, you see, by nature we have, our sins have separated us from a holy God. The curtain is there. The barrier is there. God is holy, and he is not indifferent to sin. He is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. And sinners fear the Lord. Why? Because they know his mercy. This fear here, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. The psalmist tells us that there is mercy with the Lord that he may be feared. It's to have a filial fear, to have a respect for Almighty God. Because he has done such a a wonderful thing for those who, who trust in him. Their eyes have been opened to their sinfulness and their uncleanness and their unacceptableness before Almighty God. And they hope in God's mercy, the mercy which God spoke concerning to our first parents, Adam and Eve. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, you may wish to turn there in the verse 15, we're told it's the first gospel promise. Some refer to as the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel promise. And we read there that we know this, that what happened the day that Adam and Eve sinned, they were shut out, remember, from the very presence of God. Have a look there. And the Lord speaking to Satan says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it that's referring to the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Lord Jesus Christ, as it were, came into this world, and he was bruised for the iniquity of his people. And Satan sought and has sought ever since this announcement in the Old Testament to thwart the purposes and the plans of Almighty God This is why when the Lord Jesus Christ came to the world, Satan working through Herod and other means tried to destroy that seed royal, that from the line of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the hope, he is the consolation of sinners. Well, the eyes of the Lord are upon them that hope in his mercy. These are the ones that the Lord looks upon favorably in this life because they trust in him. You see, if your eyes are not upon God's mercy, they're upon yourself. You are hoping or thinking that somehow God is simply going to look favorably upon you, upon your life. There's no hope in you. 
Because you, like me, are a sinner. What is mercy? Mercy is withholding deserved punishment. While grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor, there's a difference. God gives grace to his people. But first of all, he gives them, shows them mercy by not requiting them according to their deserved punishment. My friend, God's eyes are upon them that hope in his mercy, that fear him. And I want to ask you that question here this afternoon. Do you fear the Lord? I mean, don't just fear the judgment of God, but do you, do, do you respect him? You see, to have a, a, a proper sense of the fear of the Lord is to have an apprehension, to have an understanding that God is holy. He's high in the heavens. No one has achieved God's righteous standards. And God is a God of justice. He has balanced scales. And we need to understand that. What happened there at the cross at Calvary? Let me tell you, my friend. Justice was met. The justice of a holy God fell upon God the Son. Nothing less than the judgment of all of God's people was dealt with there at Calvary. Nothing less than that. The Apostle Paul says God spared not his only begotten Son, but he was delivered up to judgment. There's not a just man alive. But the Bible says he, the just, died for the unjust, that he would bring us to God. There's a wonderful promise in Micah 7 in the verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, and that passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities. That is, God will subdue the sin. Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham. That's part of that promise to Abraham that he would have a seed. And all who are of Abraham are in Jesus Christ, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. And let me say, friend, the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is very, very simple. They hope in God's mercy. Some people very often mischaracterize Christians. And they say, well, God will accept you because you've lived a good life. But that's not the case, is it? It can never be the case. It's because we hope in God's mercy, because we trust in God's mercy. And the proof is we fear God. Well, these Psalms, they speak of Christ. The Psalms, remember how the Lord Jesus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, it says there, this is after his resurrection, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the in the scriptures, the things concerning himself. 
that is in the Psalms, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And here it is. Those that hope in his mercy. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, and upon them that hope in his mercy. Now, first of all, the eye of the Lord for good. If you fear God, God's eye will be upon you for good in this life. And that's a wonderful thing. We don't get our cue from people. People can leave us good examples. But dear friends, let me say, a man's ways are ordered by the Lord. The scriptures say, he delighteth in his way. And the Lord delights in such a person. And such a person does not look at their life as hope of God's acceptance. No, in Jude 21 we read, that the Christian is looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, even when you have been faithful and done all that you're supposed to do, go and say you're an unprofitable servant. At the end of my life, that's all I can say. I never truly rendered to God what is God's. You know, there's that verse in Matthew Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is standing before the Pharisees and they say, well, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And then he said, well, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And then there's the other part which people often miss. Render to God that which is God's. But who of us can honestly say we have rendered to God what is all his due? Can any of us say that? We cannot say that. We cannot say we in our lives have ever rendered to God what he deserves. Only the Lord Jesus Christ, you see, could say that. He said, I always do those things which please my heavenly Father. You see, friend, the Bible says when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law. He came under the law of God, which we've all failed to keep. To redeem us from that law. And that is the mercy of God. In Luke chapter 1, we read, remember, the father of John the Baptist and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying this, you come down to verse 76 concerning the Lord Jesus. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. And that is concerning the Lord Jesus. John the Baptist would declare that he himself was unworthy even to untie the shoe latchets of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unworthy to even touch his feet. There is one that was holy, the Lord Jesus. Harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And who hope in his mercy... When Simeon in the temple 
beheld the Lord Jesus Christ, said, I can leave in peace now, for I have seen thy salvation. My friends, salvation is only in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at our monarch, we thank the Lord for her life and for the good that she has done this country and from leaders that have passed through. But none of us should ever hope to attain heaven because somehow we have lived a similar life. The only hope is in God, the Son, the Savior. Your only hope is in Jesus Christ. We do not know who are the Lord's. The Lord, we are told, knoweth them that are his. And it's not for us to pass judgment upon anybody. But we know this, that we will all stand before the Lord. And only those who trust in his mercy. And we do pray for our leaders, that God may save many of them. Especially in this, our day. That he will have mercy and save our leaders. That we might have a righteous land, but what about you, friend? Something far more important than having righteous laws in this life. There is a life to come. And it's only those who hope in the mercy that is in Jesus Christ have any hope of eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the one who earns the mercy for his people. And that's where our hope is. My hope is it built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It's a solemn thing. Death is a very, very solemn thing, isn't it? Time is marching on. Who knows how long we will live. We may not enjoy 97 years. We may not enjoy many years at all. The Lord may take us very soon. And to whom much has been given, much will be required. Indeed. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. Psalm 147. And here, look at what. Indeed, the psalmist says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Let me say this. If you are the Lord's, the Lord's eye will be upon you for good in this life. And you will never, ever regret fearing him. You will never, ever fall away. If you trust in the Lord, you will never, ever be forsaken. The Lord is merciful to those who fear him, to those who trust in his name, upon them that hope in his mercy. You're constantly, every day of your life, and this is, is true for the Christian, the more he strives against sin, the more he sees he's unholy, the more he sees that in himself there is more sin that is being discovered, and he or she finds themselves each day to be so much more unworthy, they, they discover themselves than they really thought they were. And the Lord will continue to favor such a person in this life. That's the secret of life. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Christ is wisdom. He gives you his wisdom. How to live. He comes to live in your heart. And he blesses you. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. The Lord is to be feared. Because he has made everything. And he can take your life away at any moment. Your moments and your days are ordained by him. We read in Romans chapter 3 concerning the ungodly. There's no fear of God before his eyes. It's a constant, as it were, sweeping God under the carpet. It's amazing at times such as this that there's not an atheist to be found. Really. People that have passed have gone to a better place, they say. And the Lord knows alone about our majesty, the Queen. That is certainly not for me to say at all. These things are with the Lord. But it's amazing, isn't it? At such times as this, there's no atheists, or very few, honest atheists. The rest of the days, people carry on as if there is no God, as if there is no eternity. But the Lord's people always walk in the light of the knowledge of the Lord. And it says in that Psalm 147, verse 11, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, that hope in his mercy. His heart takes a real pleasure in them, a real joy in them. You know, the fear of the Lord is a wonderful thing. It's the very atmosphere of heaven, the holy presence of God. The the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. You know, where where there's no respect in a home, it's, it's horrible. Children disrespecting their parents. And there's dishonor. And those children are the most miserable and unhappy people. But heaven is not like that. There's no hope for those who have not feared God in this life. Because there's been no respect, there's been no honor. Especially for the one who is God and who came into this world. It says in Isaiah 11 that the fear of the Lord was upon him. He who is God, imagine that, very God, had a reverential fear for the Lord. And you know, you have to be very careful. We are, by nature, very pretentious. You can put on an act in church. You you can put on formality. But you know, all you are, really, are what you are on your own before God in a quiet place. Do you really pray? Do you really speak to God in prayer every day? Do you have honest dealings with God in your heart every day? Do you pour out your heart in thanks and prayer to God for the life that he has given you? 
He's given you. And you pour out your heart in confession of your sins. You can do that in a church meeting. But that's not the same as being honest with God. That's the fear of the Lord, isn't it? The Pharisees in the Lord's day, they had their reward. They loved to pray on street corners, the Lord Jesus said, and to be seen of men. And people can seem religious. But friends, God knows the heart. God knows whether you're sincere or not, whether you're genuine or not. And the Lord looks upon them favorably, but truly fear him. Many people want to be famous. And they think, well, if I'm famous, I'll, I'll live a much better life. Not always the case. Sometimes worse. What you are before the Lord on your own now is what counts, doesn't it? Do you honor him? Do you fear him? It doesn't matter whether you're a queen, whether you're a king, whether you're a prime minister, whether you're a dustman, binman, or a street sweeper. We all have to meet what is called the grim reaper. We have to meet death. And after that, the judgment. And the Lord looks upon his people who fear him. Why? Because they hope in his mercy. This is why the gospel is so important. What we need right now in England is the gospel. What we need is the word of God. What we need sinners to see is a sight of the holiness of God and the majesty of God and what his law requires. The thunderings of Sinai. The fact that you and I are sinners before a holy God. And our only plea can be the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the mercy seat of his people. Did you know at Mount Sinai, immediately after the law is given, there is the law of the altar spoken of. Sacrifice for sin, because sinners are made to see there that man cannot keep God's law. But a sacrifice for sin would eventually have to be given, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us there's no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. My friend, the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him. He doesn't take pleasure. He's not going to look at you and say, you got this degree, you got that degree. Well, you did this, you achieved this, you achieved that. The great question is going to be, did you know him? And to know him is to fear God. Because to know him is to see and to understand that he is holy. And you and I are infinitely different to him. We have sinned. God had to banish Adam and Eve from that garden that day. Because they knew evil. And sin in their own hearts. And you have known it. And I have known it. 
And no amount of good work can save us in this life. No amount of good achievements you can give to the poor and sell all that you have. But if you have not love for God, you have nothing. When 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about love there, it's primarily love to God. Not just fellow men. Many people are humanists, but they don't love God. People do things because it makes them feel good. You ask some people why they do such and such a thing. Well, because it it makes me feel good. Things may make you feel good. And sometimes it might be done just sort of alleviate pressure upon your conscience. But friends, the one thing sinners don't do when they come into this world is love God. That is the chief commandment, to love God. And the only one that has ever done that is God the Son. And God gives mercy through his dear Son. And they hope in him. Well, I conclude with these things, friends. We are in sober times. Don't look to people. People have left us fine examples, good works and good deeds. But you know, the Bible tells us that even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before a holy God. But God receives our works only when we come through his mercy. You know, the Bible says even the plowing of the wicked is sin. Because they live and they do all their plowing and all of their good deeds for themselves, but not a thought for God. We do not know the hearts of other people. But I simply believe that the Lord has laid upon my spirit a message for you not to look to people, but to look to God and look to the mercy that is in him. We are so thankful for our leaders, for those who God has placed in our land. We thank the Lord for righteous laws. But you know, our hope is not in man, is it? And what man has achieved, but in the living God who gives mercy to all who come unto him through Jesus Christ. Is that what your hope is? Please do not insult God by thinking you could ever achieve his righteousness. You never could. It's an insult to the gospel. It's an insult to Christ. God is holy. There's none like him. But let me say this, God is very gracious, my friend. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Life is in the son. You seek him with all your heart, with true sincerity this afternoon. Cursed is the man that trusteth in man but blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and who maketh God.
is hope. May God be your hope. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, that hope in his mercy. Amen. Let us conclude by singing hymn 1209. It is a reminder, this hymn, that we all do fade as a leaf. We were thinking on changes that have taken place around us, people that have left us, and soon we shall go to meet our God. 1209 to the tune Sussex. See the leaves around us falling, dry and withered to the ground. Thus, to thoughtless mortals calling, in a sad and solemn sound, sons of Adam, once in Eden, where, like us, he lighted fell. Hear the lesson we are reading. Mark the awful truth we tell. Youth and youth on length of days presuming, who the paths of pleasure tread, view us late in beauty blooming, numbered now among the dead. What though yet no losses grieve you, gay with health and many a grace, let not cloudless skies deceive you. Summer gives to autumn place, yearly in our course returning, messengers of shorter stay. Thus we preach this truth concerning heaven and earth shall pass away. On the tree of life eternal, oh, let all our hopes be stayed. This alone, forever vernal, bears a leaf that shall not fade. 1209. We thank the Lord for the one who does not fade, the Lord himself, who is that shoot that came out of a dry ground to give his people eternal life. He, the last Adam, to give his people eternal life. The first Adam, we're told, was made a living soul. But the last Adam, life-giving spirit. And we pray that he might give life to sinners today, that their hope will be upon the mercy of God that is in him. Friend, I conclude with this. Is your hope in Jesus Christ? Because if it's not, there is no other hope beside him. Look and live. Look to the Savior. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy mercy that was to come and that did come. That tender mercy, as we read in the Word of God, that is from on high. The day spring that is from on high. We thank Thee that there is mercy with the Lord, that He may be feared. We thank Thee for the mercy of our God that sent His only begotten Son into this world. Now hope is not in ourselves, or what we have done. When we look at our own lives, as we have thought this afternoon, even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We trust in him who is altogether righteous. We thank thee, O Lord, for that day when he took upon him there at Calvary complete justice that was against his people and took away the handwriting that was against them. 
and purged their sins there upon the cross and is now sat upon a mercy seat and ever lives to intercede for his people as the great high priest. We thank thee now that there is peace with God, thy people. Oh, Lord, we pray that many more will hope in thy mercy. Many more will fear thee. We long, O Lord, that thou will bless the churches again with the pure gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We commit to thee all these things and thank thee, O Lord, for thy word. Seal it to our heart. and We trust in the living God. Thou hast said, incline your ear, come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. O oh Lord, we pray that thou would be pleased to give souls that mercy, even here this afternoon, that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.